Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the expository story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. Darkness and Pharaoh says, "I want you to leave, because for each plague or stroke." Moses goes, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, no. no, each time, no. And finally, darkness filled the whole land, except for the land of Goshen, where Israel was. They had light. And he says, let my people go. And Pharaoh goes, no. So if you turn to Exodus chapter 11... Moses starts to leave, but then he turns back and he stares Pharaoh in the face and he says, just so you know, the 10th plague, Pharaoh, that's going to come upon all your people. The 10th plague. The Lord's already spoken to me about this. I already know this because I knew you were going to reject me. And Pharaoh keeps on rejecting so that God, Jehovah, can show I am the one true God, and I will lead my people out by a strong and mighty hand. It keeps on repeating that phrase, strong and mighty hand. And Moses says, you know what, Pharaoh? The tenth plague. Sad. There's going to be a lot of weeping. There's going to be a lot of crying. At midnight... Jehovah will go forth and kill or smite all the firstborn from your house to your servant's house, even all the firstborn of all the cattle. Any of you uh, have an older brother or sister? Who was born? Any of you are the, you're the first kid born, you know? Well, if you have, like, I'm the youngest, and I have two older brothers. If I was in Egypt at this time, and an Egyptian, my brother Mark, according to this, would be killed. If we just had puppies with a dog, and if the whatever that first puppy is, would be killed. Okay? Now, all the way, I know I mentioned puppies, I'm sorry, but all the way, I want you to understand, you're losing brothers. You're losing sisters. Parents are going to lose their beloved son. They love you guys. And if you lost the firstborn, and all Pharaoh has to say is, yes, I'll let your people go. But again and again, Pharaoh says, no, I'm not going to let you go. And Moses finally says, this is the worst plague of them all because God's been gracious 
He dealt with the Nile River. He dealt with, you know, everything but people. But finally he said, you know what? If you're not going to let my people go, this is the tenth and horrible plague. And I want you to understand how bad this is. The firstborn of every house will be killed all the way from Pharaoh to cover all of Egypt, all of various societies, even to your animals, because I want you to understand these are my people. And I want you to understand, Pharaoh, that Jehovah, he's the true God. And later on it says that he did this so that the people understand that they couldn't rely on the sun god or the frog god or the god of the Nile or anything else to protect them because the one true God, Jehovah, is the one they should have followed. But instead they rejected. And Pharaoh said, no. So Moses goes to his people and he says, prepare. You know, at this point, there's probably 600,000 men, which means with wives and everything, we're talking about 2 million people. He gathers them all together and he says, listen, for the next four days, I want you to get ready for this coming plague, this coming stroke, this coming tragedy. I want you to get ready because God, Jehovah, has promised to protect his people. And this is how we're going to do it. I want you to remember this day. In fact, from when the plague strikes and we institute this feast, from now on, this will be your January 1st. This is the beginning of the year. It probably took place in April. Because remember that the eighth plague was the fire and the hail and destroying the crops. That probably occurred around the end of January, early February. And so most people think this tenth horrible plague occurred around the end of March, April. But Moses is saying to all his people, listen, this is so important. This is such an important event. We're going to remember this in Israel for time to come. All your people will remember this forever. In some ways, people say this is the beginning of the nation of Israel. Because back then, Israel didn't really have a country. They didn't really have a place. And in fact, in Egypt... They were probably marrying Egyptians and becoming more Egyptianized. But God says, no, they're my people. And he pulls them out. And this is sort of the beginning of the Israeli nation. He says, these are my people. And it starts here. Mark this day. Tell your kids. This is what it's going to be. It's going to be known as the Passover. And what we're going to do is what you need to do. All the families, I want you to find a lamb. Your best lamb, a lamb without blemish, it says. A lamb that just looks awesome. It's great. It's growing great. It has to be a male lamb, and it has to be at least one year old. And on that day, I want you to sacrifice it to the Lord. Literally, I want you to slit its throat, and then its blood is going to drain out. They collected it in a pan. Then they would take this brush called a hyssop, this like brushy thing in the out of uh, it was like a tree I mean a, it was natural anyway they would dip it in it and they would go to the doorpost I want you to take that blood and I want you to do this doorpost put it on the front dip it in the blood again put it on this doorpost and then I want you to dip it in and I want you to get the lintel it's called in our bible or the top to put the blood there and when Jehovah goes out 
to kill all the firstborn across Egypt. He'll come to your house and he will pass over. He will not, it says, send the destroying angel. He will pass over, pass over you. And then when you do that, I want you to eat this lamb. Don't boil it. I want you to roast it. It had all these rules and how to eat it. But I want you to eat it. And the interesting thing was, he goes, I want you to eat it, but I want you to eat it with your traveling clothes on. I want you to have your sandals. I want you to eat it literally with your staff in your hand because when you're done eating this, you're going to get out of here. The exodus is on. We're out. you got to get ready to go when this occurs. So at about on the day that it occurs, at 3 p.m. or 6 p.m., somewhere around there, the Passover started. People killed their lambs. They spread the blood on the doorposts and the lintel. And then they waited. Can you imagine? Remember, it's supposed to take place at midnight. I can imagine Moses sitting in there with Aaron, having eaten the meal, putting the blood on the posts. Then at midnight, they hear the first cries, weeping. Have you ever just really cried over something? Maybe you hurt yourself, or maybe, you know, you're, you're, you're just something made you really sad, or somebody really hurt you. It says, across Egypt... The cries, is that's what they heard. Because mothers were losing their firstborn. Fathers were losing their firstborn. Kids they love. Pharaoh himself, I can imagine, was standing there, probably put all his God trinkets around his son to protect him. But at midnight, the destroying angel went out. And if you did not have the blood on your doorposts, he died. And it said the cry went out across Egypt like nothing had ever heard before. And Pharaoh, the god of Egypt, lost his firstborn. And it says he called for Moses. He called for Aaron. And he said, get out. Go. Take your people and go. And he adds at the end there, and please just... Bless me on the way. Just go, go. So they get up, and just like God promised, they ate their food fast because they had to get out. Can you imagine two million people on the move? The Bible says they moved in ranks and they moved in armies. It was this sense of, of moving. And it says, as they began to move, Jehovah God led them out and they came out with lots of gold and lots of silver because before they left, they asked the Egyptians, hey, can we have some gold and silver before you leave? They weren't like plundering him. It was more like, hey, you know what? Before we leave, we need this for the trips. And it seems like the Egyptians gladly gave it to him, number one, to get him out because they were tired of the plagues. But they left with all this gold and the silver and get God promised, you are going to leave better than you came. And Israel, the people of Israel, and it said some mixed multitudes, some Egyptians maybe that they had married are going out with them. And they start to leave. And it says they're led by Jehovah in a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. 
During the day, wherever this pillar of fire went, they went. During the night, it lit up like a big, huge bonfire, but, you know, miles high, burning, and they followed that. Two million people. Our Bible says 605,000 men. So, again, if you include all the wives and everything, they're thinking about conservatively two million people following this pillar of cloud during the day and a burning pillar of fire at night. Now, what would you have done if you were an Israeli and Moses came to you? You'd never heard of this Passover before. You'd never heard of sacrificing a lamb, putting blood. I mean, we can look at it now and it goes, oh, it makes sense. But what would you have done back then? Would you have gone, ah, he's just a shepherd. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Would you just calmly follow a pillar of cloud or a pillar of fire? Or would you be like, ah, I got money now from the Egyptians. I'm going to go on my own way. I'm going to do my own thing. I am very impressed with the obedience of the people of Israel. And throughout the whole story of Moses, I'm impressed with the obedience of Moses. He does what God asks him to do. No matter how insane it seems, he follows God, no matter what. And I just want to encourage you kids. That's the way to make it through this life as a Christian. If you're going to follow God, just obey. All he requires of you is obedience. Follow me. It may not make any sense, but follow me. Hey, you want me to witness to the biggest bully on the playground? That makes no sense. If you know God's called you to do it, just obey. You want me to stop gossiping and hanging out with this group of girls? I will be. It will not be fun in fifth grade if I do that. But God says, hey, obey me. Follow me. You want me to stop going to that internet website that, hey, I know does not help me grow? Or you want me to stop listening to this sort of music or doing that sort of thing? Whatever it happens to do, if God's calling you to do something... The word is obey. Can you say that? Obey. obey. God just says, trust me and obedience. Follow me. And so Moses obeys and he leads his people out. Following the pillar of cloud during the day and what during the night? Fire. Pillar of fire. And they follow it. You know what's funny is they just wander around the desert for a while. God doesn't exactly send them. If you look at where they go, it makes no sense. All right? It makes no sense where they're going. And in fact, it makes so little sense that Pharaoh starts to wonder, are these people nuts? Where are they going? They have no clue where they're going. In fact, it says later on in, in Exodus, he says, you know what? I've realized something the Pharaoh says he recovers from his grief quickly. He goes, you know what? I've lost all the slave labor, over 2 million people that I could use, 600 hardy men to build bricks. I've lost all that. And people have started to say, hey, I've seen Israel over there, Israel over there. It makes no sense where they're going. And Pharaoh says, hey, you know what? Now they camped. God's brought them all the way to a place where we've got them. We have got them cornered because he literally brought them to the point right here. There's something called, you've all heard of it, the Red Sea. And to the north were all these fortresses from the Egyptians. They couldn't go that way. 
Israelis couldn't go to the south because it's the desert and there's no water and they're going to die. And to the east is Pharaoh and he's like, if I attack him now, I've got him. I have got him. And it says that Pharaoh, once again, the Bible says his heart was hardened. Even though he saw all these plagues, he said, who is this God? And he said, let's go get him. Let's go get him. And it says he got 600 chariots together. And that's just the cream of the crop in terms of his whole army. 600 chariots back then, the chariots were like, think of the biggest military vehicle you can think of, like a, like a tank, right? Isn't that a pretty scary thing, a tank? Or a, <clears throat> a stealth bomber. Well, that was the tank stealth bomber of its day. If you had a chariot pulled by horses, you could wipe out everybody. Well, Pharaoh didn't just have one. He didn't just have two. He had 600 chariots, and a chariot consisted of one man driving it with a shield and a helmet and another guy standing next to him in full armor. Let's go get him, sick him, boys, and the Pharaoh heads off. 600 chariots rumbling towards Israel. And Israel is in the best place possible, right? No. They're stuck next to uh, the Red Sea. They can't go through that. They can't go north because of all these fortresses. They can't go south. And here comes Pharaoh with 600 rumbling chariots. And the people hear this. The news travels fast. And they start complaining to Moses. They're like, what have you done? You have set us up for failure. And you ever get nervous? You ever get scared? I remember, like I said, I was scared of that mouse the other day. Or we were about to go on this roller coaster ride. I was scared to death to go on that stupid ride. But you start to get scared and you start acting irrationally. And the, the people of Israel are like, Moses, we asked you to keep us in Egypt. And we wanted to stay there. And you pulled us out. We didn't want to go. That wasn't what happened. They weren't thinking straight. They were just thinking, oh, we should have stayed there. And they whined and they complained. And Moses is like, in trouble? He turns to God. And he says, God, what are we going to do? And it's amazing. God says, move. Let's go this way, right through this thing called the Red Sea. Let's go. Go forth. Let's move. Move forward. Get up yourself and let's go. And that's what he tells Moses to do. And so Moses gets up and he goes and he says to the people, before he goes, he says, you know what? Be quiet. Stand firm. Again, he's talking to all these people. The rumbling chariots are coming. Stand firm, he says. Do not be afraid. Because, here's the key, the Lord today will show you a salvation and He will fight for you. He will fight for you. You know what? One of the best things about Yahweh our God, He promises to fight for you. Isaiah 64.4 says, No eye has seen nor ear has heard any God like you who actively works for those who wait for Him. No other God actively works on behalf of the people who simply wait for Him. And that's what Moses tells his people. Stop. Wait. 
See what God's going to do on your behalf and let's get ready to go. Now remember, what was leading him? Pillar of what? At night and a what? Pillar of cloud during the day. Well, this cloud, it says it moves and goes behind the Israelis. So we got the Red Sea over here. We got the nation of Israel here. And the cloud settles and makes it so pitch black dark. Pharaoh and all his armies, they get muddled. They're like, where in the world are we? And it so makes it pitch black. They got to slow down. They don't even know where they're going. Plus, it covers it so that the people can't see these rumbling dust. It reduces their fear again. Again, what a merciful God we have. He even takes care of his people. And so he says, keep silent and watch. And he, God becomes their rear guard so they don't be as afraid. And he slows down the Egyptians. Then he tells Moses, I want you to take the staff of God, that rod of God, and I want you to point it over the Red Sea. And he points it over. And then... It says this east wind begins the bull. And it begins to divide the waters. And it says this wind divided the waters. And it blew for at least a day, one night, maybe a day and a half. But it blew and it blew. And it separated the waters. And once you separate the waters, is the ground nice and, you know, Hard so you can walk on it? No, it is soggy and wet, and so it had to blow for a while to get that ground nice and hard. Now remember, how many people are there in Israel at this point? So two million people, right? So the question is, that's a lot of people to cross a Red Sea, right? That's two million people. Can you imagine going two million people across the Red Sea? So the wind blew, separated the waters. Finally, the ground was hard enough. Not only you have two million people, you had their cattle, you had their cats, their dogs, their ducks. You know, you had them all. How are you going to get them across? So some people believe they started probably, it says they ended at 6 a.m. in the morning. So if you make everybody go a 1,000 people across, you need at least the Red Sea crossing of like a half a mile wide to get that many people through. So if you have a 1,000 people across, I'm going to line up here. Okay, the clan of Katz and Smith and Johnson line up. Let's go. And they start to cross the Red Sea. All right, the clan of Rachel, Jacob, Jacobed, and Steve, you're next. And they cross with all their animals and all everything else. And they cross and they cross. And some people think they start at 9 p.m. at night. Can you imagine walking through if you got the shift at 2 a.m. in the morning or 12? It's dark. You can see the little fishies swimming. You know, I have a dog named Eddie. My, he would be so interested. He would not come. He'd be like, oh, what's that? He'd be biting at the fish. You know, can you imagine what I would have run my finger along the water as I walked? I would have 
I would, have, I would have been stuck in the middle, so I would have missed out on that. But it would have been cool if I'd been off the edges or something. You know? You're know, you walking. You're like, this would have been amazing at night. And how could they see as they walk through? And again, I keep thinking, you know, they bring in all their animals and the cows. And you know, you got to get across. 12, 1 a.m., 2 a.m., Pharaoh's coming, 3 a.m., 4 a.m., And then it says, finally, the darkness lifts, the pillar of cloud moves, and here starts to come Pharaoh. And I imagine, they think it was around 6 a.m., I'm thinking, Moses is holding that water, that wind is blowing. And I came in thinking, finally, see, I'm a bit of a klutz, I would probably be the last guy across, you know what I mean? And you're like, hurry, keep moving, Run, you know, your, your family's the slowest. Or, you know, maybe there's like a family of ducks waddling through and Moses, come on, hurry, I'm tired of waiting. We got to get going here. Finally, they make it all the way across. And it says, finally, here comes Pharaoh. How many chariots? And thousands more. They come and they see this grand sight. And they're probably thinking, hey, I can get a lot across a lot faster he barely got a duck and two of her ducklings across. We're going to get this and into this huge, beautiful, again, parting of the Red Sea comes 600 chariots led by Pharaoh himself thundering through. And then, just as the last Israeli, Hebrew, just as the last one of God's chosen people makes it across, Moses drops his staff. The wind ceases to blow. And it seems the idea is that the Egyptians, they weren't like half of them out of the water. All of them were in the middle of the Red Sea when God took away his hand and that wind stopped blowing and Water came down. The mud started to um, clog up. In fact, if you go to Psalm 77, it seems like there might have been an earthquake. God started to make their wheels to swerve before the water even came. He started to slow them down. They started to panic. And it said, literally, in the pillar of fire, Jehovah, the angel of the Lord, turns around and looks at them through this fire. And when he sees them, they panic, and they start going, whoa, and they try to turn around. Can you imagine 600 chariots trying to go back the opposite direction? People are running. It's chaos, and that's when the water whoop, and envelops them all. And it says not one Egyptian is left alive. And it says in Exodus 14, The Lord saved his people that day. And literally, it says the Israelis are walking along the shore and they see the Egyptians being washed up. God had saved his people miraculously through their own strength, through their wisdom. No, but through God, Jehovah, saying, you know what? If you're my people, I will protect you. God said, you know what? I am your people. I will protect you. If you know the Lord is your Savior today, if you've committed yourself to following Jesus, he says, you know what? I am your God. I will protect you. All you have to do is follow me, and I will show you my mighty hand. 
time and time again, if you just follow him, if you commit at this early in of age to say, you know what, I want to know this God. I want to know this Yahweh and his son who he sent, Jesus Christ. I want to follow him. Because you know what, centuries later, Jesus celebrates this Passover meal. And there's so many symbols in it because the next day, Jesus Christ is the Lamb. And His blood was shed for you and for me. And if you just accept that free gift, He promises to be your God, your Savior, your buckler, your shield. What an awesome God we serve. And I just want to end with choose Him today and then secondly, obey. Whatever God asks you to do, obey. And if you read the rest of Exodus, which is an interesting book, and I encourage you to do it, you'll see the people of Israel did not obey. Even though they saw the mighty hand of God, they chose not to obey again and again. But we have a forgiving God who says, you know what, I love you. I will give you compassion and grace. But he still wants you to obey. And I say, you know what, at this young age, choose this week. Jehovah, he is my God. I will follow you, Jesus, and I will do my best to obey you wherever you place me, whatever family I'm in, whatever school I'm in, whatever situation I'm in. I won't look at the circumstances. I will fear God, and I will obey. What an awesome God. Baldhead Bible Podcast is created by Dr. John Katzian. Music composed and performed by Elijah Katzian. Edited by Lincoln Katzian. If you would like to listen to more of Baldhead Bible Podcast, please subscribe. New episodes added every week.